There's an old saying in Brazil that the year doesn't properly get underway until the end of the carnival holidays. And while there is some truth in that, things do kick off a little bit earlier in the world of Brazilian politics. In the first week of February, senators, representatives and judges dust off their suits and gowns and head back to work after a long end-of-year holiday, and the relentless Brazilian news cycle kicks into gear once again. The government of Jair Bolsonaro now heads into its second year, after a 2019 full of scandal, crisis and criticism. This week, we're looking ahead to what 2020 has in store for us in Brazil's legislative and judiciary branches. My name is Ewan Marshall, editor of The Brazilian Report, standing in for editor-in-chief Gustavo Ribeiro. This is Explaining Brazil. To help us analyse the prospects for Brazilian politics in 2020, we are delighted to welcome political scientist Claudio Couto, the head of Fundação Getúlio Vargas' master's programme in public policy administration and a columnist for the Brazilian Report. Claudio, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Ewan. It's a pleasure to be here with you. So just starting off then, if 2019 in the Congress, because the Congress came back to work this week after over a month off, and if 2019 was all about the the pension reform, which the, the government did finally pass after, you know, months and months of negotiations, but they did finally pass the reform, what is what is going to be the number one priority for the Bolsonaro administration this year? It's difficult to say because they have so many different uh, uh, proposals and they don't they don't make clear which one is exactly the most important of them. That is difficult to know what the government is capable of, of passing in the Congress. In the case of the pension reforms last year, I think that what was really important for that was the fact that the Congress, at least the majority of the both houses of the Congress, the leaders, the main leaders, the speakers of the both houses, uh, they had uh, a consensus about what should be done in terms of pension system reform. And they have similar ideas to those of the the current administration, except to the case of uh, uh, the capitalization system. They were against that. But in terms of uh, the general uh, elements of the reform, like a minimum wage, for example, they have similar ideas. And this is why this reform passed. I could say that it passed much more uh, uh, despite the government than due to the government. And it passed because there was this consensus. In this year, if we don't have a similar consensus uh, on other subjects, on other matters, it will be really more difficult for the administration uh, to have uh, some bills passing. For example, the tax system reform. We have at least three different proposals. One, from the administration that is not uh, presented yet, but we have some sparse ideas about that, and a proposal in the House and another proposal in the Senate that are somewhat similar one to the other. And uh, perhaps this is the reform that has, uh, it's more likely to pass. But even this reform is not so likely to pass as some people can expect because uh, tax systems reforms, they are really very difficult because you have uh, 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 different actors that are concerned what is going to pass. You have a federal, federal problem because 
states and municipalities can lose. We don't have today uh, a clear support of sectors uh, at the at the businessman, and so well, uh, it's a very complex issue. And if in in addition to this, we don't have an administration that provides support to a, to a reform that has a, a, a minimum consensus among the congressmen, among the businessmen, among the majority of the both houses of the Congress it will be really difficult to pass. And other uh, uh, proposals of the administration, they are also very uh, controversial, to say the least. For example, the administrative reform, the reform that tends to reduce the stability of uh, civil servants. Well, it's a very controversial issue. Civil servants are well organized. They are a, a pressure group that is very strong. And uh, I don't know if uh, in an year in which you have municipal elections, in which for that reason, in the second half of the year, many deputies and many senators will be much more concerned with the elections in their municipalities than uh, with the, the, the agenda inside the Congress. Well, uh, it's not that easy to pass such a complex and such an impopular in terms of the specific group that is affected by that uh, reform, like the civil service reform. And until now, this is a reform to which the, the government uh, uh, showed perhaps more concern, but uh, it's not the only one. And so this is an additional reason why I think the situation is so difficult. With an administration that was not uh, 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 concerned with building a political coalition in the Congress that doesn't have a majority that supports the administration in the Congress and don't have uh, uh, or doesn't have a clear priority, well, uh, things won't be easy at all. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that, especially of like last year, for example, a lot of the problem was the the relationship and the the kind of liaison between Congress and the executive. And as you mentioned, there are a lot of people, sound like including yourself, that believe the pension reform was only actually passed in the end because of Congress, because of House Speaker Rodrigo Maia. Like, is this? Would we expect? more of the same this year like is is the executive going to remain hostage to congress or has the government done any sort of work in that um towards fixing that well i i still think that the 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 the, the government relies on the congress and why that because they don't have built the political coalition since they don't have a political coalition in the congress they need the support of the congress to the issues themselves uh to, to see these issues, these policies pass. On the other hand, if we had a, a, an administration like it was the, the usual way of doing things in Brazil, uh, that had built a political coalition in the Congress, it would be much more likely for uh, uh, this uh, 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 government to pass all these bills. And, uh, and why that? Because, uh, for example, if a, a policy is controversial, it's, uh, it's, it has higher co high costs f uh, in, in political terms for the congressman. Uh, for a congressman to, 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 to vote in favor of a, a controversial bill, it would be easier if uh, this congressman would have some kind of uh, reward 
from the administration, like, for example, influence in an area of the administration or uh, the capacity of uh, appointing people to some positions inside the administration, inside the public bureaucracy. But we don't have something like this in this administration. And so the calculus of the members of the Congress is related only to the uh, uh, costs of the policies, if they are worth or not, if they are in favor of that or not, if they uh, will uh, be beneficiary for, for them in terms of their political basis, their political constituency or not. And the situation is the same this year compared to last year with an additional problem, with the problem that as times goes by, situation gets worse. To use a metaphor that the president likes to make, it's like a marriage. As times goes by and the relations are not so good as one could expect, everything gets worse. And this is the situation that we have between the Congress and the president right now. And yeah, just on that point, we also have the factor that Jair Bolsonaro is in the process of creating his own political party at the moment, meaning that he has split with the Social Liberal Party, which is currently now one of the biggest in Congress and no longer wholly on his side. So that could make matters even worse. Yeah, uh, the situation was difficult even with the party... Uh, 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 entirely supporting the government, supporting the president. Because we were talking about a party that elected 52 uh, representatives at the House. Well, 52 representatives mean 10% of the House. And to pass several bills, it's necessary to have at least a half of the House, 50%. Or, in the case of constitutional amendments, and in Brazil it's necessary to pass constitutional amendments to change some policies, it would be necessary to have 60% of both Houses. And so, uh, if you depart from 10% of the House, things are difficult. If you have even less than that, perhaps the president has today a half of his party supporting him or, or his former party because it's not his party anymore supporting him. And so we are talking about a government that has, uh, in, in partisan terms, 5% of the congressmen or 5% at least uh, of the House supporting him. It's going to be a short year in Congress. I mean, we've got those municipal elections. They're happening in October. And you know, typically in these years, as soon as we get to around June, you know, not not much work gets done because the legislature starts, you know, turning its attention to these local campaigns. And that basically means that, you know, the Bolsonaro government, if it wants to push through its main proposals, it's going to have to do most of the work in the first half of the year. Like, do you think that is realistic at all? And if it's not, what happens if they can't get it done? Well, things in general are difficult with administrations that have uh, 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 a political coalition. With this administration that doesn't have a political coalition, things become even more difficult than they use it to be in, in electoral years like this, I mean. Well, uh, perhaps considering the intention of also Rodrigo Maia and Alcolumbre, the, the Speaker of the Senate, uh, to show that they want to work to the country, that they are interested in passing uh, economically liberal reforms. Well, perhaps we can have something happening in the country in the first half of the, of the year, until June or perhaps even until the beginning of July. 
After that, we have the, the, the recess of the Congress. And after that, we have the elections. Because in August, officially elections start in Brazil. And all the congressmen will be much more concerned with that. And so the days of real work at the Congress between August and October will be only few. And so it's more difficult to have something being considered by, by the members of the Congress in that period. Perhaps after October... In November, and so we have one one month more until the end of the year, uh, we can have something passing. But uh, in the end of the year, uh, with the speakers of the House uh, and of the Senate becoming lame ducks in terms of their capacity, and so everything will become even more difficult. And so this is why I think that the government should uh, uh, work much better uh, than they used to work in, 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 uh, in 2019 in 2020. The problem is, how can you do that if you don't have good relations with the Congress and we don't we have even worse relations this year than last year? This is why I think things are so problematic for the administration at that time. We can say that the bills that will pass this year probably will, will be the bills that have support of uh, the speakers of the both houses and the majorities that provide support to them. It's not only Congress that came back to work this week, but the country's high courts also returned from their holidays on Monday. More on that after the break. You may have seen in the news that Jeff Bezos, simply the world's richest man, was hacked. That shows you that nobody and no company is totally immune from cyber criminals. But with FastHelp, you can protect your company's virtual space. FastHelp is a Brasilia-based IT company that offers the best tools against hacking and data breaches. Go to fasthelp.com.br for more information. fasthelp.com.br We're speaking with Claudio Couto, political scientist and head of Fundação Getúlio Vargas's Master Program in Public Policy Administration. Claudio, Brazil's Supreme Court also came back to work this week, but they've already been hitting the headlines in 2020. Why is that? Well, because many uh, aspects of Brazilian politics and in that case, Brazil is not so different from other countries, other democracies around the world. Uh, many important issues, they are being judicialized in Brazil. It means that they are becoming uh, matters that are considered not only by the, the, the Congress or the parliaments, but they are considered also by the courts. And the courts become more important arenas of decision-making for such policies. And I believe that this is a situation that certainly will continue this year. Uh, the point is, what kind of issue will become important this year uh, in the court? Since we have a government that considers that uh, they are in a cultural war, and so they, they, they take important measures against minorities, against sectors of the opposition, artists, uh, universities, and so on, well, perhaps we can have some issues important in those areas, in the education area, for example. Uh, important decisions can be made uh, from the government concerned, for example, 
uh, policies concerning the education areas, like, for example, uh, the intention of the government to influence the curriculum of schools, how the, the government will deal with this, or the influence of government to deal with uh, the, the financial support to cultural production in Brazil. Perhaps they will be important too. Of course, we can have other issues that have to do with the budget, that have to do with other policies in Brazil. But I believe that the political area and the cultural area will become perhaps the most important areas for the court's decision this year, because we have this kind of government that is concerned with this kind of issue. Well, yeah, so last year, in 2019, the, you know, the Supreme Court was almost constantly in the spotlight you know there were numerous protests against these individual justices from a lot of groups connected to like operation car wash or connected to jair bolsonaro and at the start of the year they talked about the chief justice just Toffoli. he talked about maybe trying to be a bit calmer this year to kind of stay out of the limelight a little bit do you think that is at all possible in you know the brazil that we live in today is is that can the Supreme Court actually stay behind the scenes or is it necessarily going to have a huge role in politics? Uh, I think that they will have a huge role. We have to consider also that uh, the, the, the chair of the Supreme Court will change this year. It will be uh, the Minister Fuchs. And Fuchs have, uh, has a, a different uh, uh, political position inside the court compared to Toffoli. Toffoli, for example, was not so uh, uh, had not so close ties with the, the 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 prosecutors and the justices that were members of the Lava Jato, the car wash operation. But Fuchs has. Uh, we even know uh, after the leaks that uh, Moro referred to Fuchs in one moment as "In Fuchs we trust," and so <laughs> yeah, we, we think that, that Fuchs certainly will have a different relationship with the Minister of Justice, if he remains the Minister of Justice, because you know that Bolsonaro and Moro have difficult relations, but uh, perhaps he can uh, set the agenda in a different way in what regards the kind of issues that will be considered by the court. And the, 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 the chair of the court, he has such an important role. He can define what will be voted or not, or, or, or when it will be voted or not. And this is another element that is important to consider, not, not only if the court will remain important in this year. I think that it will remain, but how it will remain. Perhaps issues that are of interest, not necessarily of the administration, but of this sector of the administration that has Moro as his uh, main actor, and the sectors of the judicial uh, system in Brazil that uh, have a similar agenda to that of Moro, uh, well, I think that these sectors will be benefited by the new uh, 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 chief justice. Mm, yeah, and, and also we have to remember that we have the prospect this year of gaining a new member to the Supreme Court because we have Justice Celso Gimelo, who he's going to turn 75 years old and that means he will be forcibly put into retirement. And, you know, President Bolsonaro, he gets to pick his replacement. So how do you see that process panning out? What kind of Supreme Court justice can we expect? Well, this will be a very interesting uh, uh, situation. And why that? 
I mentioned that Bolsonaro and Moro, they don't have a, a good relationship. It's a strange relationship because Moro is the most popular member of the government, even more popular than Bolsonaro. Bolsonaro, when uh, he invited Moro to his administration, he believed that it would be interesting for him to have Moro besides him since Moro is very popular and he was a symbol of the clash against corruption, uh, even more among the most conservative sectors of the Brazilian population. But at the same time, he realized that Moro uh, could be uh, a competitor. Moro could be a, a presidential candidate into to, in 2022. And so uh, he was an enemy inside the government. And so Bolsonaro has ambiguous uh, positions in what regards to Moro. One moment, he says that he is the one, he is the guy who, who gives the orders. In other moments, he says that uh, uh, Moro has a, a, a white letter to, to do what he wants. Uh, well, uh, he must decide what kind of, of person is Moro inside the administration. But the point is that uh, he has, in the appointment of Sergio Moro to the Supreme Court, uh, a move that he believes could put Moro aside from the competition for the next presidential elections. But I would say that even this is not certain, because it doesn't mean if Moro goes to the Supreme Court in this appointment this year, and perhaps Moro is the most, the strongest uh, name to be appointed by Bolsonaro this year. Uh, it doesn't mean that Moro will remain in the court until 2022. Perhaps Moro can leave the court after a period there, and a period there can be a, a, another opportunity tomorrow to appear uh, uh, in front of the population as a, 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 a tough judge, as a judge that uh, fights against corruption, to differentiate himself from other justices inside the court, and perhaps present himself as a presidential candidate mm. in 2022. Uh, well, this is something that can happen. We can't avoid that, and Bolsonaro can't avoid that. And so I think that he is in a very curious situation. If he appoints Moro to the Supreme Court, perhaps he doesn't have an opposer, but perhaps he has, because it's something that is beyond his capacity of control. And perhaps he even can make Moro stronger than he is today. Uh, and so I think that this decision about who will be the next appointment for the Supreme Court will have with this calculus of the president. If he wants to have an appointment to, to, as an attempt to put uh, a, 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 a virtual competitor aside from the, 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 the next presidential elections, or not. But I think that even if he does such a kind of calculus, it's a calculus that doesn't give him certainty about what's going to happen. And so we have much more tension inside the administration and uh, uh, more tension specifically concerning the president in what regards his appointment. And he has another possibility also, he already mentioned that, to appoint uh, uh, an evangelical to the Supreme Court. As he said, the president, uh, a terribly evangelical member, a terribly evangelical uh, uh, justice. Well, if this is his option, he, Moro wouldn't be the guy because Moro is not this terribly evangelical justice. And so perhaps he could uh, uh, keep Moro in the standby until the next move, until the next opportunity, uh, even to gain some time. But since he, their relationship is not that good, well, things will become even more complicated in what regards this uh, issue for this year. So, Claudio, in conclusion, 
2020, all bets are off, anything can happen. Is that about right? <laughs> That's right. I think that have much more political turmoil than we had uh, in 2019. This podcast was written and prepared by me, Ewan Marshall. Gustavo Ribeiro produced this show. If you like this podcast, rate us on any platform you may be listening to Explaining Brazil. It's really important for us because it helps other people find out about our show. But the best way to support Explaining Brazil is to subscribe to The Brazilian Reports, which is the journalistic company behind this podcast. Every day we have new content about Brazilian politics, finance and society. And we've also got exclusive newsletter services if you want to be briefed about what's going on in Brazil before starting your day. So subscribe now for our free trial and take a look at our content for seven days. And it's really free. You don't have to submit any credit card information whatsoever. So go to brazilian.report slash subscribe. And you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Our handle there is at Brazilian Report. So that's all for now. See you next week.